So what we've been doing here in this room the last couple of weeks is double-clicking on 1 Peter 5, 3. Does anybody remember what 1 Peter 5, 3 is? And I, I'm pretty sure it's verse 3. It's possible that I'm remembering that wrong, but I think it was 5, 3. What that one was, you'll recognize it when you hear it. 1 Peter 5, 3 said... You busily... Am I, am I wrong? Maybe I'm completely wrong. Uh, you know, 2 Corinthians 12, who knows? 1 Peter 5, 3, is that, am I completely wrong? 5, 3. Oh, my thing just, just glitched. I really, I probably should have looked it up. 1 Peter, somebody rescue me here, my, my computer's. Oh, maybe it's, oh, it is 7. I'm wrong, it was 7. Sorry, you're all so confused, thank you. 5, 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. We began to talk a couple weeks ago about this theology of casting. We cast our anxieties on him. But it's hard to cast your anxieties on him if you don't know what they are, right? If there's just this kind of tangled mess of your life, how do we begin to kind of pierce it apart? And as we kind of float out of that, um, we, I wanted to make it really as practical as we can, as, as helpful as we can. Because the truth is, there's all kinds of difficulties in our lives. And last week I walked you through a paradigm that is just... I call A plus B equals C. I did not invent this. But A plus B equals C uh, stands for the idea that you have an, there's an activating event that gets filtered through a belief system that produces a consequence. A, B, C. Activating event, belief system, consequence. And I walked you through it all, but it was a little bit off the cuff. And I, didn't, I, I just hadn't taken the time to pull together a worksheet. So what I'm going to do today is I made you this yesterday. And this is everything we took. There's nothing new on here that we didn't talk about last week. But in case you weren't here last week, I'm going to do a high-level summary real quick of this. Hopefully it'll, it'll all make sense. And then we're gonna, I'm going to just give you some real-life examples of how this works so that this, this technique, this process, this paradigm might be available to you to use. Okay. So what you'll find is on the, on the simple, pers- simple part of the page, this is for you to fill in on your own. And you can make this, you know, in a, there's nothing special. You can do this on a piece of notebook paper. But the other side, this more complex is uh, kind of where it gets explained. So here's the way this works, you guys. And does anybody not have a sheet? Herrick, you don't have a sheet. Come here, brother. You got a couple? Oh, you, you gave them all away. Here we go. You, get, you got a couple? Oh, you, already, you stole them for him. Okay, they're around. Okay, so here's what you're going to find. The activating event, belief system, and consequence. It actually kind of works backwards. So what you're going to notice in your life first is the consequence right? Most obviously, you're having an emotional response to something, or you're doing something. There's this behavior. We begin there, because that's the most obvious thing going on in our lives. But then you want to ask the question, well, what happened? What, why am I so sad, or angry, or jealous, or frustrated? What, what's going on? Well, what happened to produce that? So we start at the C, then we move out to the A, but really the insights are found in that middle column in the B, where you figure, okay, what do I believe about this? What was happening that was really impacting my life? How did I respond is obvious. What happened is maybe second most obvious. But what are the beliefs that I was acting out of? That's really where this thing matters. And in your belief system, invariably, you believe things that are true, right? There are things that you believe that are accurate, that are right, that are wise, that are good, but you also believe things that are not. I do, certainly. I'd be shocked if you didn't. That our beliefs are this mangled complex of truth and lies. And the circle here at the bottom is meant to be your brain and the T's are the truths and the L's are the lies. And you believe things that are true, but you also believe things that are not true. 
And what we're trying to do is kind of consistent with Romans chapter 12, is that we want to not conform to the pattern of this world. A lot of those lies are creeping in from the world's wisdom, right? We don't want to embrace those. We don't want to be conformed to those, but we want to be transformed by the renewing of our minds as God's word comes in and replaces lies with truths, replaces lies with truths. So we're crossing out L's and replacing them with T's. This for the rest of your life, because there's endlessly this internal flow of lies and things that you're tempted to believe or maybe you've embraced, and we want to replace those with truth. Some of those, though, man, they are below the wall. This is meant to be like a castle wall, the stronghold. And Paul says in 2 Corinthians that we demolish, we we have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to make it obedient to Christ. There are some of these things we really have to go after hard and because they're in deep. Sometimes the lies are deeply embedded. And it's just not so simple. You believe one thing is true. Somebody tells you, no, 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 you're mistaken. It's like this. And then you just embrace it. Wouldn't it be lovely if that were the case? It's, it's not. These things play out in um, per- pervasive ways all the time. So what, we're, what I'm just advocating for you to do is just observe you. Pay attention this week. And when you find yourself doing something, you're like, ah, that was the wrong, I made the wrong call here. When you find yourself feeling things or having an emotional response that might not be appropriate, that might not be congruent to the situation, just pause, freeze frame, pay attention. Okay, we know what you just did, or you know how you're feeling right now. What happened that precipitated that? You can see it, but don't ever make the mistake of assuming that A equals C because A was filtered through B. You believe something that, caught, that shaped the way you interpreted that moment, the way you lived it all out. And if you can do the work to understand what you're believing, then you can also do the work to be like, are my beliefs true? Could I prove this from Scripture? Is this real? Or have I just kind of embraced some falsehoods that need to be corrected by God's Word? That's the process we want to run through. Okay, and I'm about to walk you through, we're going to just like open the door, here I am, okay, here's everything that's wrong with me. Well, here's some of what's wrong with me, all right, and I'll walk you through how this works in the hope that it might give you a little bit of a paradigm for how you could run a similar process yourself, okay? So before I take off all my clothes in front of you, uh, any questions about the general paradigm of A plus B equals C? You good? Make sense? Okay, so here's what happens. So, I was so yesterday, because um, this happens every day. Yesterday, I have a great, I have a great example from my life of how this works out. It's about seven forty at night, and I was on my way to the church to print this document for you guys. And on the as I was getting ready to leave the house, Kelly said, um, Kelly referred to a conversation that we had had on Thursday. She said, "Oh, did you?" Make a list of like scripture, like true scriptures that people might use to confront um, common lies in their lives. Did you, did, you know, did, when you print this, are you also going to print that list of like, these are common lies, here's where scripture contradicts those things. Did you make that as well? Okay, that's all she said. And I was instantly defensive. And I was instantly frustrated. And I went from being like, whatever at an even based emotion to like okay for crying out loud right and it was a very benign comment but i didn't experience it benignly okay so activating so the consequence is i'm defensive i'm frustrated and i'm just just annoyed okay 
the activating event was Kelly asked me if I had done the thing that we had talked about two days ago doing. Okay, so what's in the B column? You understand the game as we're about to play it? Okay, so what's in the B column? Well, there's a lot in the B column. A little bit of context for you, first of all, is that I work a lot of hours every week. My days begin usually at, I have 7 a.m. appointments most days of the week. I work all day long. I have, I have evening events most nights till 3 o'clock. I travel all the time. I speak all the time. Uh, this weekend I had a wedding, so I left Friday. Friday is my day off, which is a theoretical concept. And I drove to Charlottesville, uh, had a wedding rehearsal, had a wedding on Saturday, and I got home about 7 o'clock last night. When I got home at 7 o'clock last night, um, I'm like, okay, I need to print these notes, which I wrote when I, I got up early when I was in Charlottesville to prepare this before the wedding, and I got to print them, so I can either print them now or I can print them tomorrow. And if I print them tomorrow, Sunday being today, today is going to be a weird day because I got to preach, do Sunday school, then preach, and then go do CHS downtown. And CHS downtown is completely weird, and everything is totally different. It's this whole big launch, and among other things, we got to figure out how to wash wine glasses because... Uh, we're not sure if the wine glass thing works, but it's a good, I'm a good leader, and so I delegated that responsibility to somebody, but sometimes delegation breaks down. And we, I got an email while I was in Charlottesville that, hey, they can't do that after all. Okay, that's fine. So now it's back in my plate. I'd also ask somebody to get bread for this thing, and so they did a great job researching all the bread, except we don't have all the bread that we need because we don't have gluten-free bread, so I've got to bake some gluten-free bread tomorrow. And there's just all these things that I need to do. And so maybe I will just do the one thing right now before I clock out. And I'll just print this sheet so that in the morning, I'll be one, one of 50 things is crossed off my list. How are we doing? You making sense so far? And so my sweet wife says, oh, did you do that thing that I didn't do? Have you ever been there? Okay. And so, and, and. That's right, right? And so Kelly's, Kelly's a good person in this game, right? And it's a good idea. And it would be helpful if I had done that for you. But I didn't. Okay? I didn't do it. We're going to write. We're going to make it today right now. Okay? So now, can you play the game with me? So in that, that's the context. So that you got the activating event. You've got the consequence. And now you've got a little bit of the context. So what, what this is where you have to play. What did I believe? What was, I, what was my worldview in that moment when Kelly says, oh, did you, dig, did you do that thing that I... Criticized. Okay, so yes, first of all, it's an accusation, right? It's not a helpful suggestion. It's, it's a criticism. Very good. What else am I believing in that moment? Rachel? That she doesn't appreciate what you do. Okay, right. So, she, so it really, Rachel, it doesn't matter what you do. All that matters is what you don't do, right? So... And by the way, we say she, we're, we're putting a lot of weight on Kelly, and it's not just Kelly, but it's you people, right? <laughs> Kelly is simply representative. If, if Kelly thinks that I should have done it, well, what did the rest of you think I should have done? And so now I'm mad at all of you, okay? <laughs> all right? So it's an accusation. It's lack of appreciation. Was there another hand? Jesse? Um, it's a truth. It's a just accusation because you're a failure. Uh, wow. <laughs> Okay. So, so they, okay. So, so now here's so. <laughs> all right. So, and with that, I resign. So, good luck with this. Okay. Now here's the thing, right? But what Je I think what, I think what Jesse is saying, we'll find, we'll unpack this, is that it really is true, right? I'm not adequate to the task. Do you know this? 
there are things that's like Paul's like, to one we are the stench of death, to others the fragrance of life, and who is equal to such a task? And so for those of you that remain deceived that I have this whole thing all in my pocket, right? That all things is just this everlasting fount of wisdom, right? If that's your impression, well, the day of reckoning is coming for you too, right? <laughs> that it will be eventually, eventually, I will be unmasked if I haven't already been. And I won't like that very much, but the day is coming if it hasn't already come, right? So, so some of these things that they, they turn the knife in our heart, not because they're false, but because they're true, and we hate that they're true. Am I catching you right? Yeah. No, well, no. I think that that's a lie that you might believe. That's a lie that I believe. Like, there's no way anybody can expect you to keep track of all these things. You're like, I forgot that. Oh. And that's not actually. Oh, but people do expect it. Without question. Right? Know about it. Y'all, you, you guys, I'll tell you this. I will tell you this. I'll just, I, won't, I won't belabor this point. But the most shocking thing to me since coming to work for a church is the, the emails that Quig Lawrence gets. You would not believe the lunacy that crosses this man's desk. You just wouldn't believe. So expectations, you would not imagine. So right, so I, and I know that, I mean, it's just, it's a, re, it's a reality. There may be unreasonable expectations, but I also know that people have them. And I also know that even under reasonable expectations, sometimes I just don't meet low standards, much less high standards, right? So that we live in this space. And sometimes it's hard to parse out. Oh, was that reasonable? Should I have done that? I didn't do that. What about the things that I was doing? I think I do more than a lot of people in the world, but I also shoot, you know, and I blow. Okay, so keep it. So what else am I believing in this? Ellen? That you can procrastinate on what you're doing and not get things done ahead of time and wait to the last. Okay, so this, okay, this is great. So this would be one in particular that I don't, I'm not a big procrastinator, so that one doesn't land for me so much. I tend to get, like, I tend to not, I, I, I function at a pretty high degree of efficiency. So for me, it's not that I think I can put it off, but I think, rather, it doesn't matter because there's just never, I'm never going to be able to get it all done anyway, right? So I'm going to bust it, and then it's going to be like, well, that was inadequate, right? That's going to be more kind of in my space. Lisa? But you're the only responsible person in the world. Okay. The rest of the world is screwed up. Okay. Now, do I, do I perceive that this has occurred to you before? Okay, right? And so there's, there's a reality of like, you have this sense of like, you know, like if I don't do it, if you want, it done, if you want the job done right, do it yourself, right? So that's absolutely a phenomenon in my mind. And so then you can collect things. But now I also really, really, really hate that. And so I'm going to, have you, ever, you guys ever read the great, this is a famous article from Harvard Business School about getting the monkey off your back. Has anybody read this article? Some of you in business may have read this, where there's this problem of I, when, I, when I delegate something to somebody else, sometimes it just ends up back on my plate, right? The monkey makes its way back, back to your own back. Um, and that's, sometimes there's good reasons for that. The nature of leadership is the buck really does stop with you, right? So there's all this chaos. Okay, one, one or two more? What's going on here in this moment? Yeah? Uh, issues of, like, not trusting Kelly, not trusting God, not trusting God to... Uh, provide and to be your helper, I think is at the root of a lot of frustration. Yes. But then also maybe not trusting that, you know, not trusting Kelly's good intention. I mean, we touched on that, but then also there's fear of man over fear of God also. Yes. Okay, great. So, so there's a whole bunch here. So, so, it, so there's, there's all this thing of what I'm initially feeling is a sense of like, it doesn't matter what I do. All that matters is what I don't do. That there's, it's not possible if I've got to do 
12 things, there's going to be a 13th thing, right? That I don't, that I've been working all weekend, I've been working all week, and it's 7.40 at night, and I've got like a couple of hours to be like off duty, but I need it, those two, I don't get those either. Now I've got to go sit down in my office and come up with a list of Bible verses to imagine what lies you believe where I might like to just go relax, right? And so I'm not allowed to do that. There's no, there's no space to do this. And all of this, by the way, how long did it happen? How long was it between Kelly's remark and this emotional explosion in my heart? I mean, it's, it's instant, right? There's, so we're not, I love, love, love being rational, right? And I am pretty rational. But this wasn't rationality, right? It was too fast. I think pretty quick. I don't think that quick. Feelings outpace thoughts, right? So in a moment, it's like all this boom, boom, and it's just instantly right there, right? So what we need to do, what I needed to do, was slow the thing down and look at, ask the question, okay, what am I believing? Some of these things might be true. Some of these things might not be true. And it, it would be lovely for me if this was like, oh, oh, I get it, and everything's all better. But a lot of these things that we're describing, these things are, are actually, these are deep in my heart. And many of these things are maybe also very deep in, in your heart. That it really, like I, I believe, I believe in justification by faith. Sort of. <laughs> right? Because it's, it's rarely, it's rarely the case that I feel like I need to work hard to, to, to obtain God's smile. I think I accept that I am accepted in Christ. And it's rarely God's smile that I'm working for. It's my smile that I'm working for, right? So much of my life is under, would be understandable to you if you could hear the inner voice of self-reproach. You familiar with this concept of like, okay, yesterday was good, but what have you done for me lately, right? What have you done today? And so, so it's not even, it's not Kelly's disapproval, which he wasn't being disapproving, right? So I want to be very clear. This is, no, this is all about my stuff, not about Kelly being unkind. She's not. She's incredibly patient with me, far more than I am with her. It's not about your disapproval, and it's not even about the Lord's disapproval, right? It's about my own inner dialogue with me and my inability to rest and be at peace, right? Do you get this phenomenon? Ellen? I wanted to ask you, do you think that um, all of this time that you worked, you feel like sometimes it's, Taking away time with your family, even though you're working for God. Um, so I'm sure that that has been true, to, to be sure. Um, uh, and, and, and not just this weekend, you know. I mean, it's just true in my life. Is there's a lot, but we also, I think, we spend a fair bit of time uh, together and engaging with each other. So there's um, there, there's all there's a whole bunch of incumbent risks with every decision we make, including work and including overwork. So that um, that yeah, I mean, I'm sure that's, that's true. For, it's true for me as it is for probably lots and lots of people, for sure. Okay, so, all right, Jennifer. When you were talking about self-reproach, and, and I think sometimes when I react instantaneously, it's because I feel I've let somebody down. I have not been perfect. I have not mm -hmm. done, you know, my, my expectations of myself. You know, I've, I've been found out that I'm not, you know, as in control and got it all together. And we feel like, yeah, we feel like we've been found out. That like this house of cards that we have constructed is like, man, the day, it's just 
It's just a matter of time until you guys all know the truth, right? And we live in that. Okay, so let's say that, let's say this is the mess. What we might do, if you were in a situation like this, is you take the time and you think through, okay, what was happening? What was I believing? What was behind that? What was behind that? And you make the list of beliefs. And some of them are true. Some of them might not be true. But um, the ones that are not true, we want to see where, how can I begin to rewire my brain that I might think differently about this, that I might actually come to the table and make a concerted effort to change my default assumptions. And the best tool that I know of to accomplish that would be God's word. That we would do, that I would do, you might do, targeted scripture memory. That you would begin to, re- your, your brain has familiar favorite ways of thinking. This, this neuro, neuro, what do you call it? Neuropathway, whatever that's called. That this particular pathway in your brain will just light up. Well, what if you were able to create different reflective assumptions about you, about the Lord, about your marriage, about your children? So here's, well, you tell me, are there any passages of Scripture that you would recommend that I memorize and that I meditate on and that I think on as I try to rework the way my brain assumes, you know, and makes sense of the world around me? Herrick? Philippians 4, 4 through 9. Okay, could you give that to us, Herrick? Yeah, it's... it's uh... Rejoice in the Lord always, and get up and say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make your requests be made, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. All right. I love Herrick and I've only known each other for a few months, but I can't tell you how many times I've watch this man recite scripture. You, got, you, you put a lot of Bible in your brain, right? And that becomes available to the Spirit to use, okay? So here's a few things, right? So one, there's this invitation to be gentle, right? So that's bonus points. I think Kelly might appreciate that. Um, that there's a gentleness. But it's also, don't be anxious about anything. And what's the solution to anxiety? It's to present these requests to God. What do you think? What is the solution to anxiety? Do you know what I think it is? Get the work done, right? Like, it's truly, like, you know when I'll be at peace? When it's friggin' done. Like, so, so that's, a, that's a direct shot against that. If, I, if my fundamental assumption about the world, and it is, is that peace is found when the job is done, well, A, the job's never going to be done. It's never done, it's never done, it's not ever done. But we can get as close as we can, right? And so this is, this is offering a different way to be like, okay, it'll be okay. Can we trust him? Can we present these things and trust the Lord that he'll lead, even if I am not able to do the things that I demand at the cost of my own peace? Okay, so Philippians 4, where else would you go? Yeah, Catherine. Yeah, more Philippians, right? If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things, right? And so why do you mention that? What is it about that that would, you'd recommend in this particular situation for me? Well, after you've done some work, maybe, and you see what you're believing, um, but there are other scriptures like if you're immediately angry, and there are other scriptures about that, Whatever is true and right and lovely, you find it, you look for it, you find out. 
That's right. And so, and what I had been dwelling on in the immediate minute prior to, prior to this conversation wasn't how lovely and wonderful downtown is going to be, but like how annoying gluten-free bread is. Because now i got to figure out how to make gluten-free bread tomorrow, you know? And so my mind was not on the happiness. It was on this other stuff, right? Here, here, here's one you might look at. Let's see. Um, pro, uh, not Proverbs, but Psalm 127. Do you guys know this? Look at this. Here's a good one for you. If anybody else has my particular disorder, here's Psalm 127. It says, verse 2, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. Right? Here's the whole, I'll give from the beginning. Verse 1, Unless the Lord builds the house, its builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchmen stand guard in vain. In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. That's something some of you might need to memorize, right? That is at the end of the day, is the success of this church, is the well-being of this people dependent on the work that the Lord is doing through his spirit, through a variety of sources, or is it all about you, right? In vain you rise up early, in vain you stay up late. That's something worth, that might take a while to work that through. Bob? How about the Jesus' response to uh, Martha? Martha, Martha. Yeah, right. Very good. There you go. Have you ever been anxious and troubled about many things? Right? Martha, Martha. Did you want, did you just voting yes or did you want to say something? Well, yeah, I've done that. Um, but I had a verse. Okay, let's hear it. It's Colossians chapter 3. Says, put on then as God's chosen one, and it's a little list, but the one that stuck out is humility. Yes. Okay. Now, interesting. So, why do you say humility in this context, Nancy? Well, sometimes it's good to realize you're not doing the perfect job. You do forget things. Sometimes a reminder is okay to be humble. Yes. So it may be that, and this humility is such like a broadly applicable tool, right? So maybe it's like. It's okay to accept the fact that maybe you didn't do it perfectly, but maybe it's also ex- acceptable to be like, maybe you're not, you know, God's solution to every problem in the world, yeah. right? Don? I have your, your disease as well, and, and I, I would suggest that humility, I love what you, what you read, um, is that only, only a fool would create a schedule like you, 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 you created. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you can't do that. So you have to get, you have to lower yourself down to the point where you say, that was stupid to set things up the way I did. I, I, I just wasn't. With good intentions. Good intentions, but. Yeah. Yes, thank you. This is great. This is a great class. This is, this is so fun. All right. I'm asking for it. DFP? First uh, John 4, 18. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out, <clears throat> casts out all fear. Um, so apply that here for me. I want to argue that anxiety is fear. Yeah, I agree. It's an anticipation of negative consequences that are going to come. It, fear is the biblical word for that. Yeah. And it's about getting in touch with who we are really in God. And you alluded to this, too, that you, know, yeah, you accept that we're justified by faith, mostly. But what I do has a lot to do with just how much God loves me, too. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. 
Yeah, perfect love casts out fear. Perfect love casts out anxiety. If I were really resting in the love of God, then I would be less anxious. Is that the, is that kind of the, the way that would break down? It goes on to say, for fear has to do with punishment. Yes. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Well, yeah. yeah. True for me. Yeah, excellent, excellent. Okay, come on. So Lily and Tommy, both of you. <laughs> um, I, I love in Ephesians 4 where it says, Paul says, I urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. And um, this has been especially helpful to me in my struggle with loving my children well. Um, but I love the way it ends because it, it you could point be eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace at the beginning because I feel like that's kind of the ground out of which humility and that tenderness and patience comes is actually from what we hunger for. And so if we pray to be eager for these things or to hunger for that relationship, um, to be eager to, to maintain that unity of the spirit and the bond of peace and from that, um, I feel like naturally flows that humility. So it's a little bit practical in terms of um, just recognizing that that's, that's the way that God's going to change your heart. He's going to change your hungers, but you can, you can ask him to cultivate that. Um, and the, I feel like when we have those reactive moments, you know, ultimately what sin's been doing from the beginning is breaking relationship. But when we're eager to maintain the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace, it, it really is just, um, th that is the, the protect the protection within which we protect those relationships and we guard yeah. that from sin. Is that, that's a lot. Okay, but here, here's one thing that I want to, uh, one thing I think is really important when we, when we address this kind of stuff and the behavior and emotional response. If you don't get down to the core level first, then dealing with the surface level is, is a waste of everybody's time, right? So telling somebody who's really frustrated to be gentle is a loser. It doesn't work, right? We got to get down to what's the core issue. It's like, you know, being mad at your dandelions for growing yellow heads. Like the yellow head was inevitable because the root was already there, right? This is just true. And so, so if, we, if we were to address the fact that in that moment I was frustrated and say, well, here's what you need to do is don't be frustrated. It's like, well, thank you. But we got to get down to the core issue of why, what was going on. And so really, if we're just simply saying, remember to be gentle, but we're not saying, what was going on in your heart that made you feel attacked or that made you feel insufficient, then the, the gentleness is frankly impossible. It's never going to happen. If you, so, so make sure that when you do this thing, you get to the, what, what are you believing in that moment? What's behind that belief? What's behind that belief? And maybe what's behind that belief? That's where you want to do the work. If you're not going after the root of the thing, the flower's a gimme. Does that, does that make sense? So go to, go to that core thing. Now, we want, we want to get up to the top. But if you just, um, and I can, I mean, I can tell you this. I mean, I, I think I've been sufficiently transparent. Like, like if I'm, if I'm going to be angry about something and you say, don't be angry, that's like, that's like telling somebody that is like, you know, violently ill to stop throwing up. It's like, well, it's not, you got to heal the disease. You can't, if you try to treat life at a symptom level and not a disease level, it just won't, it's not going to actually land. Okay, Jason, and I'm going to come back to Tommy. And struggles with anxiety, I can yeah, speak from a, a, a personal place on this, but I think it's also the, the root cause is that 
you believe it's all going to, it has to depend on you. And in this, you're like, I have to get this done or else it won't work for the class. In the same way that, I mean, you could sit there, you could go into church and sit here for two hours and not think of one single verse. And yet, trusting God that he can deliver the right thing to you because you love the work that you need to do. You could come in, you could walk in and all of a sudden your mind comes into ten different verses. And I think it, you know, the example I like to think of is where Gideon has to go fight the, the million man army of the Midianites. And he's like, I got 30,000 men. And God's like, too many. And he's like, he cuts it down and he, he ends up with 300. But 300 was right because God can multiply what he did. Yes. And so, and so we, we can, absolutely, we can, we can say, Lord, you'll give me what I need at the moment that I need it, right? And that's true. And I think that we, we could do it that way. But, there's, but knowing that there is, like, it's kind of like a little bit like we did this last week, but I didn't have the worksheet, right? And so n- having done it without the worksheet and then now being able to do it with, there's some value here that we're not, I'm just not giving you the worksheet this week on a, a list of scripture verses, but you might you might think, oh, you know what would have been really helpful is if you had actually write, written up some of those Bible verses. And I'm like, all right, do it again. You know? And this is and knowing, the, knowing the, inner, the inner dialogue that's going to happen. This is, it's not about me. I'm, just, I'm using me as an example, so we can stop doing this. In fact, let, let's do this. Let's, let's say, give me your own issue, okay? And let's go something you're like, because what I do want you to walk away with is some actual Bible. This would be a helpful passage. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to you what my issues are. What matters is what your issues are. Like, where do you need God's word? Some of these may overlap. I trust that some of them do. But where do you, what do you need? What, what problem are you facing? What, what lie are you believing that you would want to say, Lord, where does, where does your word speak to this? Because this thing is eating my lunch. Make sense? And tell me, I skipped you. Does your comment make sense in this framework? I think so. Like, for me, it does. It's um, the end of Psalm 23. Uh, it says, goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And mm. like, that one always struck me because it doesn't say it will precede me. It says it will follow me. And so, you know, my mom growing up, like, walking in the snow, she'd tell us, you know, the younger ones, like, you know, follow in my footsteps because it's an easier path. And so it's because she stamped it down. She took the hard road. And so I think, like, when we face adversity in life, if we're not expecting it to surprise mm. Yeah. How dare this happen to me? But I think recognizing the context that we walk into is in the context that we need. Interesting. So when we experience difficulties, we shouldn't be surprised because there wasn't a promise that, the, that all the happy stuff would go first, but rather that God will catch up with us with his mercy. And we might, so we, we bear with the difficulties as they come, knowing that he, he may very well come in and, and kind of heal the, the, the brokenness. Is that, am I capturing that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Patience, I think. Yeah. That we shouldn't be shocked and surprised when it all plays out. Yeah, that's good. Okay, a couple of folks. So, so let's move on. Let's go, let's go to like, let's name something where it's like, man, this is, this is an ongoing thing where I know my B column is going to have this. What, what would be some things that, are, that you think are common to us as a, as a people? Lies that we're prone to believe. And then we'll talk about scripture in a second. But first, let's come up with a problem statement. What lies are common for you, for us, then we might want to give a little bit of biblical input to. What do we tend to believe? Not, not good enough. Jesse? Mine's being a failure. And the, the, some of the verses that I look at are um, where it says, you know, consider the birds and the flowers. God takes care of those things and you're way more important. And also, um, God's perfection is 
appreciated it. Mm. Uh, and doing what I should have just wouldn't be an issue. Sometimes now I'm more quick to just say, I couldn't have done that. God, you fix it. I can't. And just let it go. Yes. And when it gets fixed, that's, that's a great solution that I couldn't have, couldn't have anticipated. Okay. So let, let's let's just well this is this is pretty pretty broadly applicable. So if the great big belief in your BCom is I'm just not good enough, okay, that's going to manifest in lots of different ways. Some people when you're like I'm not good enough, you're just going to give up. What's the point? It doesn't really matter. Or it's going to be that you're going to give yourself fully to the thing that you are good enough at, right? So my marriage is a mess. It's never going to not be a mess. So whatever, I'm just going to throw myself into into my work or or my marriage is bad, but, and that's going to be terrible because I'm going to throw myself into my children. Like, it's going to be all about the kids. We're going to have a child-centered marriage. Or you, you might do that, right? Or others might be like, I'm going to grind myself to the bone in order to get good at that thing that I'm not good at, right? There's a whole bunch of different ways. This, this core thing that I'm not good enough is going to play out in a million different ways. What scripture might you, what might you need to memorize to speak into that to help you think better, whichever, whichever way your particular expression of that is. Catherine, did you want to jump or no? No, okay. John 3.16. Interesting. Why? Okay, John 3.16 is familiar. Why do you write, do I need to quote it? God so loved the world, he gave his only son. Why do you say this? Uh, I say that because it's, yes, the world in general, but me, in spe- me specifically too. So therefore, if I'm good enough for God to do all of that, good enough. Then maybe that's enough. Okay, so it's interesting. So when we say I'm not good enough, well, maybe that's true, but there's, maybe there's an implication that comes from it. If I'm not a good enough employee, I'm not a good enough husband, I'm not a good enough, you know, whatever, then there's, I'm also unworthy of love, or I also will be unloved, or I also will never find joy. There's other, there's other things we can say, okay, what's the, what's the belief behind that belief? And maybe you're trying to get down to this bedrock of what it is to be loved. And could I really meditate on the love of God in such a way that it would become persuasive to me? Okay, great. Catherine? Um, it's, well, for that, it's not, I don't think it's ever a matter of us being good enough. Because we aren't. We can't. But his love, he proclaims our value. And, I, and, I'm, and the scriptures just, because I'm nervous right now, so it loses me. But I wanted to Uh, sure. Because I feel that just keeps burning in my heart through this discussion. It's something I had to learn to do. And active listening, this is what it says. It, it's, it's a pattern of listening to someone, like if someone's angry with me, and I tend to feel threatened. I usually do feel threatened <coughs> and shame and, oh, they're right and I'm not worried. Oh, it's just horrible. But Right, so I think what could be helpful, this, what, maybe I'll just 
double click that. And then I want, but I do want to stay in the scripture. So let me just say one thing. Sometimes this exercise is too hard to do alone, right? Sometimes it's too hard. You need somebody else that's willing to kind of end the hey, this is what happened. This is what I felt. This is what I think I was believing. Sometimes you really need somebody that's willing to get in there in a non-judgmental way and just kind of help you unpack it. And I think that can be, that can be really useful. Sometimes you can do this alone, but so much of life is better when you're doing it with somebody else that you trust that can walk through it. Okay? Now, with the, with the idea that you're, not, that you're not good enough, one of the beliefs behind the, that belief is that you need to be good enough. Right? That you have to be. And there is a very strong Christian theme that you're not good enough, and it's okay that you're not good enough. But that's hard to believe because the rest of the world is like, well, actually, no, it's not okay. So, so kind of get at it. So here's what we're going to do. We've got to stop. What I want you guys to kind of consider, if you, just, if you decide to do this, just pay attention. Watch yourself this week. Okay? What, what are your inappropriate emotions and behaviors? Not all of your behaviors are inappropriate. Not all of your emotions are inappropriate. Some of them are just spot on. But when they are off, what happened? And what was going on in the middle there? What are you believing? And as you identify, you do with a piece of paper and a pen, actually write it down so you can capture your thoughts. Like, what is it? And then look for where can you memorize God's word? Where can you return to his word to begin the, it'll probably slow. You didn't get here overnight. You're probably not going to get out of this overnight. But how can you do the work to reframe your default assumptions, your snap responses, your emotional, you know, the emotion that's faster than your thought, that you, might, that you might think differently, feel differently, behave differently, because God's word is really shaping your life. That's, that's the exercise. And if you do that, I think if you do that, we do that over time, then some of these lies get replaced with truth, like actually replaced. Some of these ones down below the, the castle line can actually be replaced. But it's, going to, it's not going to be snap. This is a lifelong process of letting God's word really reshape your brain. Okay? That's all we got for now. Thanks for coming.